April 27th, Flames Talk coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, fresh with a beautiful new door. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. we got a lot to touch on this hour. Steinberg and Vickers along with you. We've got things that we'll touch on this hour. Where the Flames are right now, World Championships, Calgary Wranglers. Yeah, we've got lots to get to. Um, let's let's start here. Start with the limbo situation the Flames still find themselves in as we enter. We're now more than two weeks since the season came to an end. Uh, their final game was on Wednesday, and here we are uh, on the 27th. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little while since the season came to an end. Does that feel like it's an ages ago to you, or does it feel like yesterday to you? Because for me, it mostly, feels like ages yeah, I was ago. Say, mostly ages ago. It does not feel like it was all that long ago it feels like it was a long time ago uh their final game was that uh, dustin wolf debut and yes Pelche back in and the win over coronado coronado yeah coronado's debut and that was uh, 15 days ago on wednesday april 12th so we know they don't have a general manager right now we know that the head coach is kind of in limbo and and they're making a decision and undergoing a review on that front but they don't have a gm right now and that that's maybe the place that that we can touch on. We don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but you know, you've got Brad Pascal who's busy with the Wranglers, and although it's the playoffs, so there's not a ton going on from that standpoint. But you got Brad Pascal who's got the Wranglers going on. Craig Conroy is over scouting at the U18s in Switzerland, then will stay in Europe for the World Championships in Finland and Latvia. So he is over in Europe until like the end of May. Tough gig um, if you can get it. Yeah, I know. Hey, um, he'll be his sleep schedule will be just fine by the time he comes back. Uh, you've got Chris Snow here still. Uh, he does lots of contract stuff. Don Maloney, of course, the VP of or something, the VP, the president of hockey operations is here as well. But still that not that guy who, you know, is the long-term leader of the hockey operations department. So they can do the, the clerical stuff. And like we saw with Walker Dewar's contract extension on Monday of this week, or if there are other contracts that need to get done, uh, junior contracts that need to get done by June or whenever to make sure that they don't uh, lose their rights, all that type of stuff. But I just wonder in your opinion, like when is an ideal time for, the flames to get their GM situation sorted. Like how, how far off in your eyes should we be from them making a decision here? I don't think they should be so far off that we're still wondering two weeks from now, whether the search has even begun or not. We heard from now president of hockey operations, Don Maloney, that there was going to be an internal audit. There was going to be a quote unquote investigation. There was going to be some intellectual honesty. They were going to do a deep dive into what went wrong this season for the Calgary flames in what was arguably their most disappointing season in a decade, I guess you could say, yep. based on expectations coming in, based on the excitement in the summer of Brad, and then, of course, the tail end of it, Brad Living, Calgary Flames, mutually agreed apart. 
there needs to be some deep dive into that. Now, as you mentioned off the hop, 15 days ago was when the season ended. And what is that going to be? Nine days, 10, 10 days since Don Maloney was introduced as president of Hoppy Ops alongside Monday. John Bean. So yeah, my question now. would be is, is you very clearly heard from Brad Living on his way out. You heard from the players before they decided to scatter for the summer. You've probably talked to your head coach at this point. I can't imagine a scenario where you've gone non-contact with your head coach who has an $8 million two-year extension set to kick in. So I do wonder now what the stage of that deep dive, that intellectual honesty that we're going to uncover, unturn every stone and see what's underneath it. And once you decide that you've gone through that and you've done your due diligence, then you move on to, all right, you need to formulate a plan on how you're going to correct it. And you either do that as a department on your own, or that's when you introduce the new GM. You, you go through the, uh, the list of candidates and you interview them and you decide and you settle on one. And in that process, the president of hockey operations, the ownership, the new GM, figure out the chart, the path to bringing the Calgary Flames back to where you want them. And that's where you go. So for me, in terms of the general manager, to bring it all back to square one, yeah, that can't be too far away because you can't let this process drag out. We're 15 days now. It can't be 30 days. It can't be 45 days. And and I mean, I think that you, look, I get it, that you're doing your due diligence. I, I absolutely think you should do your due diligence, but I think you can do that uh, in, in a span of a month or so. And, and I think... Draft is a little later than it normally is this year, so it's uh, way at the end of June. You don't usually get it that deep into June, so it's a few days later than normal. But I would suggest sometime late May um, would be a good little time. Mid to late May would be a good time, good window for them to have someone in place. And look, if it's going to be Conroy... I think that you know what Conroy is all about. And so I don't think that you need him in the city to right. make your decision. And, you know, from a news conference standpoint, it would be good to have him in the city. But he's uh, with Team USA for him at the to World do Championships. It from, from Finland. That would be phenomenal. It would be actually. good for you. Are you going to the World Championships? I haven't heard about that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. We'll uh, see. Tough gig. Yes, Dylan and Revy, I am jealous. Because uh, Dylan always made fun of me for making fun of Wes when he was on the road. Um, so, and if it's going to be someone internal, I think you could probably get to that even a little sooner. But I still think you want to, I get it. Like you want to interview external candidates and you want to make sure that you hear from all the guys that you think are really good fits. And, you know, there are some guys that are still involved with the, with the Stanley Cup playoffs. You, if you're talking about... Tulski in Carolina while well, they're still playing and Peverly in Dallas while the stars are still playing. And um, so there are, and there are some that are out, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about Horkoff. Horkoff yeah. Um, Red Wings did not make the playoffs this year. So you could be talking to him right now and you can start to put this stuff in place and you can start to get an idea. So, and, and I don't think it would be completely out of the question that you could, even if you don't get formal written permission from a team, you could still give a call to somebody who's an AG. Like, what is a GM or an AGM doing that is so pressing come the postseason? Not a whole lot. Brad True Living told us enough that, you know, once the trade deadline's done, you don't really do much. You kind of just, you're watching now. You're seeing how the group that you put together came to be. You're far busier in the summer and leading up to the trade deadline. But once the deadline's done, yeah, a couple of recalls. You got to do a little cap management, but it's not anywhere near as busy. So, 
I think that you could probably have chats with guys who are even in the playoffs. So, yeah, I just I, I think mid late May that sounds like so that gives you two, three, four weeks to do interviews, do your due diligence, talk it over internally, determine whether one of your internal guys is the right guy, and and then go from there and have somebody in place, even if you don't announce it, have somebody in place until I don't know you're ready to make the announcement. Like I'm thinking, okay, if they're going to hire Conroy, well, you can tell him he can start to do some work on the draft while he's over there. Well, I mean, he's already doing some work on the draft, to be fair, at the U18s. True, true. But I get what you're saying. And he's doing that for the Flames. He's at U18 for the Flames, and he's at World Championships because he's the AGM of the U.S. team. Um, But then you could say once he comes back, then you could announce at news conference, so on and so forth. All I'm saying is I think sometime in the next number of weeks, Sometime before the end of May seems like a really good time to get this done. See, and I don't disagree, but at the same time, I'm like, that would put it at roughly 45 days from end of season to naming a new GM. And you basically you know that you've knew. Done your due diligence. That's definitely taking your time and doing due diligence both on the organizational review and the general manager search. But for me, I don't know if it should necessarily take 45 days from knowing that Brad's not going to be back to finding his replacement. Now, again, you're. You're mentioning of Conroy and he's over at the U18 Worlds and he's going to stick over there for the World Championship. Then it makes sense if you want to delay the announcement, but at least you've come to a conclusion because there are some key dates coming up in the NHL, not in the in the very near immediate future, but you mentioned the draft. You have the draft, you have free agency. You're going to have a lot of amateur scouting meetings leading into the draft. You're going to have pro meetings sometime in the week during the draft. If you're going to change the course of your organizational thinking and that'll be at the whim of a new general managers because mm-hmm. a new a new guy is going to value this, this, and this, and it might be different from what Bradshaw Living valued or what Daryl Sutter values as, as a coach in terms of roster construction. So if you're going to bring in and introduce new themes, the sooner you have somebody at the helm actually dictating what those themes are, the better off your organization is in my book. So you're suggesting that you'd like it to be a little... I was going to expect ideally- a Pat Steinberg new Calgary Flames GM announcement by the end of the week I here, but I turned him down. Well, there you go. Breaking news. We have breaking news. Splitter, no, Pat no, no. All you know is that I just am. I'm not in the, I'm not in the conversation. Okay. Anymore. I, I'm, I still am good. I'm breaking good. news. I want, I want you to get it. Nah, I'd rather sit here with you, buddy. How? Who wouldn't? Lots of people. Um, this text comes in, says, I think your internal bickering on air is adorable. That wouldn't happen if it wasn't for your jealousy. Dylan and Revy's right. Uh, and then this reads, why are the Flames hiding Sutter away? He was with Don Maloney at the Wranglers game. Why hasn't he addressed the media yet? We addressed that a little bit on Wednesday's show because his future is uncertain because they're undergoing a review and it wouldn't be smart of the team to roll him out and have him talk about his future when it's uncertain. It wouldn't be fair to Daryl to do that. It just they're not. It, they're making the right call by not having him address the media, yes. knowing that the the future is a little bit in flux, and they're determining what the future is going to be in that regard. I couldn't imagine just in in regular life me having to be rolled out to the media and talk about a job I don't know if I have in two weeks or not. Yeah, like that. Like just to put and and don't get hey, me wrong, your, there's your, not your boss, uh, the 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 president of your company is reviewing whether or not he he thinks that you should be in your position. Let's talk about. Like, I don't, that doesn't. And make I can't imagine a anyway. scenario where anybody in the media would want to talk to me about my job. But it's the analogy I'm going to go with here. It's a fair analogy. Um, 
What about the world championships? Ooh. When do we find out? And, and again, Aaron will be there. He'll be uh, the Flames Talk World Championship <laughs> correspondent. You like that, uh, did you? I like that quite a lot. Finland and Latvia is where they'll be starting next month. Um, what, they start uh, mid-May? I know I'm flying out May 7th. I believe they start on the 12th. Okay, so mid-May-ish yeah. for the world championships. So what do we know about Flames players going to represent their countries? Um because we don't know a lot for sure at this point. We know Mackenzie Weger is going for Team Canada. That's the one confirmed we have for Canada as a yes. We have Craig Conroy confirmed for Team USA. Correct. Conroy is the AGM for Team USA. Uh, we have Troy Stetcher and Andrew Mangiapane, who will not be going to the World Championships. Uh, Stetcher told us a little bit less than two weeks ago on Locker Cleanout Day that because of... Pending unrestricted um, free agency. He doesn't have a contract. He's not going to go. And Manchapani just had shoulder surgery, so he's not going to go, obviously. Uh, so what about Tyler Toffoli? He was asked on Locker Cleanout Day, and he made it seem like there's a strong possibility he would go for Team Canada. He was asked if, if they had asked and what he said. Yeah, I've um, still uh, trying to figure that out and uh, talk to my wife and see what we want to do. And uh, it's definitely uh, appealing to me, and um, we'll we'll see with the the next couple of days here. So that was to fully a little bit less than two weeks ago when it comes to his world championship status. I mean, that sounds positive. That sounds like a guy that's willing to go, and there does need to be a family discussion. The NHL season is long. Hockey Canada, to their credit, do a wonderful job of bringing out the families. And I've never been, but from what I hear, Riga is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I'm super excited to check it out. I imagine that's enticing from a family perspective as well. You're still playing hockey, but the atmosphere is a little bit different there. It's not as intense until you get to the quarterfinals and semifinals. That's when the intensity wraps up. But by and large, the early portions of the tournament, quite relaxing, not so demanding. You get an opportunity to get out into the city with your family. It's I don't want to call it a mini quasi-vacation because they are still on the job, right? but very relaxing. So I could see the scenario where Tyler Toffoli is enticed, as he said, and and the, as a family, they do make the decision. To He'd go. be coming off a career season. Yes. would be a, a great player for him. Um, there's been some talk about Jonathan Huberdo, and what, uh, and, I, and I believe there's been some talk that he has been at the very least approached. Um, there's been some buzz about there. Would Nazem Kadri go? So there's a couple of other names that we don't have answers on as to whether or not they're going to be going to the World Championships or not. Um, you know, it's interesting on the Huberdo front because. He had such a rough season. Yes. You could make an argument either way as to what makes the most sense. You could make the argument that now he probably just needs the reset, get away from hockey or going and playing and, and having that experience might end up being really good for him. So I think you can make a strong argument either way as to whether Huberto, if he, if, if there is a spot for him, whether or not it would be smart for him to go or not, or it would make sense for him to go. What's funny about that argument for me is, I would make that pitch to Jonathan Huberdo and Nazem Kadri to a degree even, where your first season with the Calgary Flames didn't go your way, and now you're going to sit here for, what, four or five months, wherever it is, whether you're on a beach back in Florida, whether you're on vacation, whether you're home in, in Ontario, but you're going to sit there and you're going to stew, and it's going to be a very sour taste left in your mouth for the remainder of the summer, and maybe that fuels some guys. <clears throat> maybe that gives you the opportunity to take that negative energy and turn it into a positive and drive it into next season. But if you have the opportunity to take that right now, haul it over to Europe, and come back and end your season with a gold medal with Canada on the world stage, 
that also sets your summer up in a much more positive manner. Now, having said that, I could use that exact same argument on a guy like Jacob Markstrom, where he's got an extensive history of playing at the World Championship for Sweden, 2010, 2013, 2016, 2019. But I wonder if he's mentally fatigued. I don't think he's necessarily physically Physically, fatigued from the workload, but I wonder if he's a guy that everything went wrong for him this season. Is it better for him not to try to rehabilitate his game or rejuvenate his game on the world championships level instead get away from hockey altogether and just decompress so I, I can see how that argument works both ways and you can pick and choose which player it might apply to in a positive or a negative manner but in terms of Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri specifically that would be my sales pitch to them um team USA we know Conroy's the AGM the, the one guy I really wonder about going to the worlds to represent you out of the, the 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 Americans rather uh, is Matt Coronado. I, I really do wonder about his, uh, his chances. I think he's actually got a strong chance of going to the World Championships for Team USA. Uh, they've taken college guys before or yep. younger guys they've before. They've taken draft-eligible guys before. Exactly. They've, uh, they, they've gone down that road in the past. So has Canada. Um, so it's, it's not like it's an unprecedented thing at that, at that tournament. And you've got really, really good, strong players. Uh, Owen Power went for Team Canada uh, at one point. Adam Fantilli, who's going to be the number two pick in the 2023 draft is going for Canada. It sounds like anyway. Okay. Uh, Connor Bedard, Bedard is not. not, but Fantilli, who likely will go right Credit after Jeff him, Merrick is. for that news. Yes, Jeff, and, and Jeff's uh, bang on with that stuff uh, at all times, so I would uh, trust that implicitly. So, and I, yeah, I think Coronado's got a chance of going. And the U.S. kind of was the first country with, you know, the established NHLers and the, the large number of NHLers coming from their country to go down that road, going back, I want to say, seven, eight years ago either, uh, even. So, yeah, I think Coronado's the one guy to keep an eye on for Team USA. Um, we don't know about Dan, which, I, by the way, I think let's, would be let's, awesome. Let me just make a comment on Coronado yeah. before you keep going. The reason I think he's a strong candidate, one, he's got history with Team USA. He was, if I believe it was the weird summer tournament, the World Juniors, World Juniors in 2020, yeah. last well, he summer. Well, he, he, he was at the postponed one. Yes. And the one that got shut down for COVID and then played at the, the restart. Here's my other kind of eyebrow raiser. Alex Tuck is going for Team USA. So is his brother Luke, who is a college player. Luke makes me think there could be a spot for Coronado because Coronado has a higher pedigree and of course, as we all know, isn't eligible to play in the AHL playoffs. So he's sitting here stagnant, so to speak, after wrapping up his collegiate career. He's doing nothing. They're going to take Luke, who I assume is a package deal with Alex. Well, you've got another college player here that you could slide into your lineup as well or just bring over for the experience to build him within the program. To me, that's one of the more curious curious elements of bringing Matt Coronado along. Yeah, if I'm a betting man, I, I think I think Coronado's got a really good chance of, of going for Team USA. And I also think it'd be huge for him because the one drawback of him signing is that plays at Harvard, finishes a season there, plays the one game in the NHL after however many practices he was in, and then his season's over. Doesn't get to go play with the Wranglers because he's not eligible. This gives him an opportunity to continue playing. So that would be a really big thing for him as well. And he might have somebody in his corner trying to lobby to get him there. Just saying. You mean the, the USAGM? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. USAAGM? USAAGM, yes. Uh, Dan Vladar not going. Pike put that out there today through uh, through his uh, Czech knowledge and his uh, he Czech checked language. He checked it out. He uh, checked it out. And he's not going. Rasmus Anderson told us he's not going. 
lingering back issues from that car accident in Detroit still exactly. when he was hit on a scooter. Understandable. I don't think Hannafin's going. I don't think Coleman, Coleman is going. didn't really seem too committal in the exit interviews yeah. where he said he kept saying a couple of times that he was I think actually Coleman looking was, forward. I think Coleman had a couple of nagging things yes. as the year He was looking along. forward to resting up yeah. and getting healthy and having a full offseason of training. So right now, all we know for sure is Uyghur. That's the only guy we know for sure is going. Am I missing anybody in terms of who we know 100% that has confirmed they're going? I would say power rankings, Uyghur confirmed. The, the next, like the, the best chance of going, I guess, or the power rankings of likelihood, I'd say Coronado and then Toffoli would be the next two. And then it kind of, you get some different tiers after that. Yeah, there's like, I mean, the list is long of guys that I'd be curious about. And, and one of them, I don't really have a feel which way. And, and maybe I can tap into the president of the Michael Backlund fan club. But the last time Sweden won gold, at the, the captain, World Championship, right? he was the captain in yeah. 2018. They didn't lose a single game at that tournament. And I know he had a blast. I know uh, the Swedish Hockey Federation absolutely adored him as captain. The coaching staff, now it's going to be a different coaching staff from 2018, but the coaching staff absolutely loved the job he did as captain. I wonder if there's enough to entice him to go over. And if you floated out that captaincy, yeah. does that change things? Does that matter at all? I just wonder about Michael Backlund. Going. The, I'd love to see him over there. The I'm not going in my opinion, after the year the Flames just had, the more guys that can go and be a part of a positive hockey experience um, would be really, really important for them. So I, the more the better. You obviously understand injury, family stuff if you can't go, but it just this is a year where it feels like the more the better uh, when it comes to this organization specifically. Do you have any feel on Adam Rzichka? Because he's a guy that had lots of practice time, not a lot of playing time, and I would Slovakia imagine, isn't deep. I would imagine they would ask him. He, kinda, he talked to Wes and didn't really know on locker cleanout day, so I don't know. I, I, I would imagine that he gets the invite. It kind of ends up being up to him. Yeah, I just don't know if you're him as a young guy trying to make inroads with a national team that you would turn it down, especially considering your in-game workload was yeah. pretty light. And there's a lot to learn at the World Championship, different environment and everything. But you're still playing hockey into late May. There's an opportunity for young players to learn while they're over there, if not just playing late, mm -hmm. learning from the veterans that will be around that team. I think it's a very, very important tool for a young player if he does get the opportunity to go to, to seize that opportunity. But we'll see, I guess. And before we hit the Daily Flames round table, Calgary Wranglers are off to a pretty Woo. good start to their Calder Cup playoffs. Round two, or round one for the Wranglers, but round two of the Pacific Division playoffs started on Wednesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. 3-2 overtime win for Calgary. They beat the Abbotsford Canucks uh, to take a 1-0 series lead in a best of five. So that's always important to note. So game one means that much more. Pelche wins it at 11.52 of overtime. Just a little bit too much space for one of the AHL's elite players, and Pelche ripped it home. Uh, Adam Klapka and Dryden Hunt both scored in regulation. Wranglers never trailed. Matt Phillips gets a major penalty and a match Little penalty. Matty Phillips. I know. The, who, what do you have, like two minors all year or something like that? Noted pugilist and noted, uh, noted dirtbag <laughs> Matt Phillips. Uh, I say that in jest, but Matt Phillips takes the match penalty, so he didn't play for the vast majority of the game. Yeah, 10 minutes in, you lose yeah. your best, well, your highest scoring player. Yeah. And probably your best forward. Honestly, it probably long. woke them up a little bit, to be honest, because they started out a little lethargic. They had, what, a 10 or 11-day break. That happens midway through the first period. And, and in addressing the, period, the, the major penalty, I could see how he was looking to maybe try and hook him, 
But he, he got caught, it for but spearing, he, by but the way. But he got it for spearing? Yeah. Looked more like he was trying to hook him and then just happened to catch him in the worst spot in the history of time. And just shout out to poor Jet Wu who got booed mercilessly the rest of the game. All he did was take a stick to the groin. They were wooing. Is that what they were? No, they were booing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just checking. Um, Former Calgary Hitman yes. defenseman Jet Wu. Yes. Many a game spent in that barn, and then the faithful turn on him when he gets a stick in the spot. I remember when Boone Jenner took a spearing major in the semifinals at the World Juniors in this in, in the same building at the Saddle Dome. The 2013? Is, 2013, 2012, 2013, whenever 2013 they were here. 2013 World Juniors, yeah. Christmas of 2012. Exactly. One of the weakest calls I can ever remember. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That wasn't, it's like he barely tapped them. So he got the five in the match. That was the game that, yeah, the Russians went up 6-1, and then Canada almost came all the way back, and they ended up losing 6-5. Shout out to Mika Zabanejad for scoring the OT winner in a one nothing gold medal game, if yeah, I'm not the mistaken. Ne- the next game the next for game. Russia, yeah, absolutely. Um, 37 stops on 39 shots for Dustin Wolf. Cool. Couple of couple of incredible moments for I don't know how somebody moves that goal. fast in the, goalie, in the goal. Look, like, if he ends up being... An NHL goaltender, the way we all hope he's going to be an NHL goaltender, and the level that so many people hope he'll be an NHL goaltender, it's going to be because of that agility and the way that he reads the game and his speed and all that type of stuff. That, that's going to be why, and you could see it on display with a number of stops on Wednesday night. It was silly. He was their best player by far, and he made a number of great A's, sort of five alarms, stops, a lot of them moving east-west in the net, but also he has this ability to telescope out and retreat back as well, which really benefits him. He's one of the best skating goalies you'll ever see, and it's kind of weird to talk about a goalie as a quality skater, but that is a very integral attribute to have as a goalie, being able to move around your crease, not just from left to right or right to left, but out and back and yep. being able to retreat at the same pace that the play is coming at you. He was absolutely phenomenal for them. As you mentioned, 37 saves and a good look at why he was the league's MVP and top goalie. Yeah, 100%. Anybody else stand out for you? Pelche was a pain in the, like, more so than he showed at the NHL level when we got the opportunity to see him skate with the Calgary Flames. He was disturbing stuff all over the ice after the whistles. He was being that Brad Marchand type player. And then, of course, in Brad Marchand kind of typical mold, Scores the OT winner. So yep. he sticks you, and then he sticks it to you. Uh, Talking to a lot of people with the Wranglers coming into the series when they found out that it was going to be Abbotsford, and they're like, ugh, that's, that's going to be a tough matchup. Standings-wise, well below the Wranglers, but they got a bunch of players back from the Canucks, and, and so Canucks, the and Abbotsford Spencer Canucks, Martin and Ned, who Spencer is an Martin NHL-level goalie. Yep. They, they, they showed... They showed why they're going to be a tough test. Wranglers never trailed, but they had to fight hard for that win. one nothing, 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, and then the 3-2 overtime win thanks to Pelche. Uh, so that's going to be a – I think it's going to be a really competitive series going forward. Um, here comes a few of the techs, 960-960. Uh, if Wolf becomes an NHL goalie, it will be because of his good skills. Pat, Captain Obvious. Now, what I'm saying, snarky person, is that the... the Those particular attributes. The, the things like... He has lots of different skills, but it's not going to be his size. It's not going to... It's going to be the fact that he reads the play and is ridiculously agile that's going to keep him in the NHL. And if that's me being Captain Obvious, then I guess I'm Captain Obvious. This reads, Pat, you didn't answer the question about Daryl Sutter. Yes, you had that conversation on Wednesday. However, now he was spotted with said president at the Wranglers game scouting if he was under review. Why is he there with his input? Um, 
I don't believe he was with Maloney. Um, they were the, both in the building. They were both in the building, but I don't, but from multiple people, uh, I was not there Wednesday night, you were, yes. and multiple people have told and me. And that's that not were. to say that at some point, like, this wasn't paparazzi seeking out Daryl no. Sutter and where he is and no, where the West, flames are. No, West just tweeted out they were both spotted in the building, but I don't, they were not sitting together. And I don't, I'm not trying to suggest that means something, or, but I, that, that text is suggesting that. They were, they weren't. I don't know what that means. Daryl's, if anything got, at all, Daryl goes to a lot of a uh, lot of Wranglers games, and so that. So I just wanted to dispel that they were not sitting together. That doesn't mean anything necessarily. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I pointed that out, and also he goes to a lot of Wranglers games, and as of right now, he's still the head coach. And if I'm Daryl, I'd still be going to Wranglers games. It's an important part in his mind of his job. So. I don't think you can read much into it one way or the other. Um, this reads, so if the issues with the team are with Sutter, how do they keep them and get rid of the issues? Um, and honestly, it would come down to having to work through it with each individual player that's going to remain on the team if that ends up being the case. And finally, Wedley writes, uh, Pat Waugh had good skills. Signed, Pat. Yeah, you know what? Patrick Waugh made it to the Hall of Fame because of his good skills. That's my do I, do I dare just float out like the jumbo chest protector? That also helped. Uh, it's Get Pat and up. Vickers along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for a Thursday edition of our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's not too late. They've extended their 4% loyalty rates on all in-stock 2022 models. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary airport. It's Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Gents, here we are, off-season for the Flames, well underway, following a really disappointing season for the team on the ice. And part of that disappointing season was the fact that there were so many players who underachieved. You know, coming off the year before where so many guys had career seasons, we knew that guys would probably take a, a step back here and there when it comes to production, but not as resoundingly and, and somewhat across the board as we saw this year. So there were a number of players that had really disappointing years. I'm just curious for you, Wilsey and, and panel, which of those players has the best chance or the largest bounce back or turnaround chance for the coming season? Well, for me, it's an easy answer, and it's Jonathan Huberto. I mean, he went from 115 points to 55 points. That's hard to wrap your head around. It's historic. And now that he's going to have had a year to adjust from going from the beach in Florida to the mountains in Alberta and to a new organization – and a new coach and new teammates. I think that now that he's going to be settled in going into his second season with the Flames and now that expectations are likely going to be lower because a lot of people expected that one 115-point player was just going to replace another 115-point player with Jonathan Huberdeau coming in and playing left wing on the first line, at least for most of the season, uh, in place of Johnny Gaudreau, and, and that didn't happen. And 
I think expectations will be more reasonable going into his second season. And I think he's going to be more comfortable and hopefully more confident because uh, he did talk at the end of the season about how he lost his swagger. But this is a guy who didn't suddenly forget how to play the game. And when you look at his career, he has averaged 0.88 points per game. When you look at last season, 0.70. And if you look at the four seasons prior to his first season with the Flames, he was at 1.2 points per game. So if you multiply that by 82 games, you're at 98.4 points. Now, maybe he doesn't play in all 82 games. Maybe he's not at 1.2 points per game. But I think Jonathan Huberto is a safe bet to be a point-a-game player next season, uh, assuming that he feels more comfortable and, and more confident. But uh, I would be stunned if he didn't bounce back in some way, shape, or form, guys. Will, are you taking the tap-in answer here? Did Wes Gilbertson, Flames Talk family member Wes Gilbertson, give you that many tap-ins? Well, any other answer is the wrong answer, so I well, went with the right answer. I'm going with the wrong answer, and that is going to be goaltender Jacob Markstrom. His season save percentage was 1.7 points below his career average and nearly 2.0 points below his career average prior to it dropping as a result of this season. I'm not lobbying that he's going to be a runner-up to the Vesna next season like he was a year ago, but to me, he certainly has it in him to rebound from a 2.92 goals against average and an 8.92 save percentage mark. That's got to change. I don't see how it stays the same, to be perfectly honest with you, because those numbers are, and he'll, he was the first to admit all season, those numbers suck. And it was a career year. It's, pardon me. He had a career year last year, obviously. This year, definitely not so much. But 2.69 goals against average is his career mark, and that ballooned almost a third a game. That's 18 goals more on average based on a 60-game campaign. And on a team that had so many one-goal games, so many one-goal losses, overtime and shootout losses, that's critical for the Calgary Flames. But having said that, I think Markstrom more... Reg- you don't regress back to the mean when you're below it. You advance up to it. Progress I believe. to it. That's a good word, Pat. Progress. I think he'll progress back to the mean, which should mean a few more wins for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, for me, guys, there are two right answers. You've hit on them both. Uh, it's Markstrom or it's... Uh, or it's Huberdeau. And I think there are other guys that you could see having good seasons or, or bounce-back seasons as well. I think Manjapani is a really good example. I think you could probably look at um, Nazem Kadri, especially in the second half of the season. But guys, I'll, I'll just... Because I think you're, you're, they're, they're both... They were the two that had the biggest drops. And I don't know, guys. I, I think Markstrom's drop from one year to the next is pretty comparable to Huberdeau's. I think that <clears throat> Huberdeau had his issues because he was the new player and he signed the contract and there was so much hype there. But I don't know. Derek, I I think Markstrom has a pretty good chance of doing kind of the exact same thing you talked about as Huberdo. So I think it's Ty goes the runner, Markstrom or Huberdo on this one. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to take what I said back because Ooh. I think you were right as well, Aaron. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we clip that? We Can we clip that? Yeah, you go ahead and clip it, and you play it uh, as, as often as you'd like. My new ringtone. I think you're right as well. I mean, it was such a tough season for Jacob Markstrom, and part of that's on him. And you know, if, if you want to bring Dan Vladar into the conversation, part of it's on him. But also part of it's on the 18 skaters who were on the ice in front of them in 82 regular season games because, let's be honest, the Flames weren't as tight defensively in 22-23 as they were in 21-22 when they won the Pacific Division and won a playoff round. 
And I think the team's going to bounce back in front of the goaltenders. And I think both goalies are going to bounce back. And when you look at Markstrom's season, uh, of the 37 losses that he suffered, and, and that's regulation, overtime, and shootout losses, the Flames scored zero or one goal in almost half of those games. Uh, I, I hate to steal the baseball term again, but you got to give your goaltenders more run support or goal support uh, to use a hockey term than that. And I think the Flames will next season. This doesn't really tie into the conversation. It does maybe a little bit with Huberto because we've talked so much all season about Huberto being the guy to replace Johnny Goudreau. We know Huberto dropped significantly in points, the the largest year-over-year drop amongst a player that played at least 60 games, I think the stat was. But Johnny Goudreau also dropped from 115 points to 21 goals and 74 points in 80 games for Columbus. Again, doesn't tie into this conversation so much. I don't know if it eases the tension or the pain, but I figured it was worth mentioning. You know, it's funny because we, we, we talked a lot throughout the year about Huberto and the, the, the crazy drop in production. And I think we all knew coming in that 115 wasn't what we were going to see. I think we all knew that he was probably going to be lower than yeah. that because I think one of the big expectations with Gaudreau and Kachuk leaving was that this is going to be a lower scoring team this year. So I think we all believed that it would come down a little bit for Huberto, but yeah, to basically lose half of your points, more than half of your points from 115 to 55, like that, that, as you said, Derek is historic. So yeah, we expected a drop. I was expecting like 80 to 85 would kind of be a, yeah. a better range for him. Yeah. And, and he missed that by 25 or 30. So Huberto without question. And I just, the, cause you talk about the, the one year to the next numbers for Huberto. Here are the numbers on Markstrom. So obviously last season career year, 922 save percentage. And he goes from 922 to 892. So a 30 point drop like that. Significant. When you're the starting goaltender of an NHL team, that's going to cost you multiple wins. Like that, that type of drop, that is massive. And when you also combine Vladar and, and his sub 900, like you go from being the number five goaltending team or top five goaltending team last year to a bottom seven team this year. Of course they missed the playoffs. Most teams can't survive that type of swing. But here's the one that's maybe most telling. So the prior five years, prior to this season for Jacob Markstrom, he was a 914 save percentage. And that's with 57 starts, 60 starts, 43, 43, and 63. 43 because of the uh, there were some injuries mixed in there the one year, but also because we had a couple of shortened seasons. So 57 starts, 60 starts. 43 starts, 43 starts, and then last year, 63 starts. And he was 914 over that stretch. To go from that career average to 892, it just leads me to believe that you've got to, you've got to bounce back in store. And it just leads me to believe that the prior five years, even if you want to take the 922 out of it and look at the prior four years, we're talking about him being a 910-ish guy, 909 guy. I am far more... I guess I I'm I look more at or I believe more in the larger sample size of 909 or 914 as opposed to the 892. The 892 is an outlier and and especially with goalies, but even with players, 55 is an outlier for Huberdo. So I think it's kind of similar in both in both senses. Usually you do progress to the mean. When you have an outlier that far off your career averages, let alone one season to the next, 
you usually do come back and return to the form that you've shown over a longer period of time. That's where I've been all year on Markstrom. I never knew, like, I didn't know if he was going to figure it out this season or not, but my take has always been, I think long-term, Markstrom will be fine beyond this season. And obviously, he really didn't figure it out ultimately this season, and neither did Huberto. But I think the, the same applies to Jonathan here, that... Ultimately, I think he's going to be fine because you don't become what? What was it, Derek? Just over one point per game over his prior four or five seasons prior to this 1. year. One point two zero. Yeah. So usually, the, and again, if you want to take the one fifteen out of it, you're still hovering around a point per game. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm I look more at those numbers and I believe more in those numbers than I do in the one outlier season. Yeah. So he dropped half a point a game from the previous four seasons. Yeah. That's insane you almost and have to try I, I really to do, that. do think he's good yeah <laughs> he didn't definitely uh he definitely didn't try to do that but he did that and i do think he's going to bounce back and i think markstrom is going to bounce back and you know there were so many statistical anomalies for the flames in the 22 23 season uh and something we talked a lot about especially in the back half of the season were the misleading shot totals both for and against because the flames didn't do a lot with being the second best shots for team in the league and uh, their opponents did too much with the flames being, I believe they finished the season third in, in shots against in the league. And the problem was as good as the flames were at shot suppression, when they gave up a chance, it was usually a great a chance. Yeah. So that made life a lot more difficult for the goaltenders. But you know, the crazy thing is guys, we're talking about arguably two of the flames top three or four players here and Jonathan Huberto and Jacob Markstrom. And as much as they struggled this season, the Flames still missed the playoffs by three points. Like, literally, if Huberto scores two or three more goals at the right time, or Markstrom makes two or three more saves at the right time, uh, the Flames might be playing hockey right now. That's how small the margins were. So uh, I know a lot of people are down on the group right now. I, I believe not only will Huberto and Markstrom bounce back, I think the team is going to bounce back. The team is going to be a playoff team assuming uh, things don't go disastrously bad for them next season like they did for a good chunk of this season. So uh, I've, I've got a lot of hope going into next year because uh, not only do I think those two guys uh, that we've talked about, Markstrom and uh, Huberto, are going to bounce back, you know, Majapani, Kadri, and others, uh, I think that they're going to have better seasons as well. And you know, even if one or two of them have better seasons, that might be enough uh, – to get the Flames to where they want to go, and that's uh, into the playoffs again. Yeah, that speaks to, as you mentioned, the margin of error in the NHL because this, for all intents and purposes, should be a playoff team. They still should be playing hockey as it stands right now. And you mentioned three points. That's literally could have been two saves from Jacob Markstrom or two well-placed shots from Jonathan Huberto. And not just to say that it's Markstrom and Huberto's fault because that shot could have come from Mangiapane, Kadri... Lindholm, so on and so forth. The save could have came from Vladar. But that's the margin of error, and that's why this season as a whole, when it's like, okay, you haven't put together anything more than a three-game winning streak, and then it's like, okay, you haven't won more than back-to-back games in a couple of months. That's the margin of error in the NHL, and I think that's why this season was yeah. so frustrating for the Calgary Flames, because all you needed was one or two saves or one or two goals. Yeah, and the uh, last thing that I would uh, I would say, because I, I those are the two obvious ones, but... You know, I think I think Manjapani is. I don't think he's thirty-five goals every year, but I think he's 
25. in the yeah in the yeah. 25 to range 30. 20 kind of 23 to 27 range is where I think that you put him so he finished with 17 and and had a really rough first half of the season got better in the second half so I think Manjapani's got to bounce back in him I think Elias Lindholm in the 60 in between 60 and 70 points I think that's below what we should expect from him Johnny Gaudreau Matthew Kachuk or not I think Lindholm's more uh, in in his role he's more of like a 75 point guy. He was well below that this year at 64. So I don't know. I just there's a number of there's a number of guys that just weren't Chris Tanev due to injuries wasn't anywhere near as effective this year as he was the year before. He was still extremely effective and very important, but I think we know he's capable of better when he's at 100 percent or closer to whatever his 100 percent is. And I'm, so I, I just I feel like there's a lot of names that we could be talking about getting back to career norms. I'm not saying Huberto yeah. gets back to 115. Markstrom gets back to nine shutouts and 922. Manjapani's 35 and, and Lindholm's a 40 goal score. I'm not suggesting that, but more back to their career norms where Lindholm's in the 30 goal range and Manjapani's up over 20 and kind of the mid 20 range and, and all that type of stuff. And, and to be fair and to play devil's advocate, you know, maybe Tyler Toffoli doesn't score 34 goals and produce 73 points next season. Right, so you're going to need players to yes. potentially uh, take up some of that offense. But a couple of other things, guys. So we watched all the practices at home, and you know, Flames did not have a good record in overtime and shootouts, and they did practice shootouts quite often, but didn't spend a lot of time. As a matter of fact, uh, based on what I've heard from people who traveled with the team, didn't spend any time practicing three-on-three overtime. So I think that's an area where they can improve and. Uh, having some conversations with people in and around the team after the season, uh, someone else made a really interesting point, and I hadn't thought of it. Flames didn't really spend a lot of time practicing the power play this season either. They would kind of do it at the end of practice. They would get the power play units together. Uh, on occasion, maybe before the start of practice, they'd have the power play units out there. But I think the Flames have the potential to be a lot better in the power play next season. And if that happens, then the numbers of – Jonathan Huberto and Andrew Mangiapane and, and Nazem Kadri are, are going to be better. Yep. Good stuff, Wilsey. One more Daily Flames roundtable for the season on Friday. But uh, for now, have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Thank you, pal. Sounds good. Enjoy the nice weather, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Derek Wills, and that is your Daily Flames roundtable. Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg along with you as well. A few texts on that topic at 960-960. says, will uh, lower expectations for Huberto match the increased salary? Um, Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The Flames signed him after a 115-point season. I think that there was a significant push to get him signed after losing Gaudreau and Kachuk. So getting him signed was just like, hey, we need to get this done. And that came right from the top. So you sign Huberto after his career season. Do I think that he's 115 points again? Probably not. But do I think that on the Flames, he can be an 80-plus point guy? Yeah, I still mm-hmm. do. And so I don't think $10.5 million on expectat- realistic expectations like that, I don't think it's all that out of whack. I really don't. 80-point guys get paid in this league. Well, on the flip side, too, is we've had a flat stagnant cap over how many years. Pretty soon that's going to jump substantially, and a 75- to 80-point player is going to be commanding that absolutely regularly. That's going to... I'm not saying Huberto specifically, 
But if you're able to lock in a point-per-game player long-term in five years, 10.5 isn't going to be the standard for that contract. Uh, this says Daryl put Huberto on the right side. He's a left winger. That's from Bill and Carstairs. Uh, this, is, this says any team could say that to get three more wins, this could have happened. Cherry that picking. could have happened. But who are they better than in a Western Conference playoff spot? Huberto needs an elite player to put up numbers. Who are they better than? I don't think he needs an elite player, first of all, well, because he did that with Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair. Like, Sorry to interrupt. But, no, it's all right. And Winnipeg is who I would follow that, that first question with. But Yes. And I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they are. But no, the, the Huberto point is the point I wanted to push back on. Is that, yeah, he did not play the 115-point season. He got lots of power play points, but he also got lots of five-on-five points. And those five-on-five points, he spent most of it with Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair. Neither of those guys would be considered elite. So it's not like he was playing with Barkov. And Reinhardt, yeah. His uh, other second-best season when he was in the 90s, he did play more with with Barkov. But he put up 115 without seeing a whole lot of even strength time with Barkov. So that's important to... I think uh, he needs speedier players more than he needs insanely skilled elite players. Yeah, a Bennett type, I can see why that would fit for him. Retrieve pucks and that type of stuff. Duclair plays with some speed. So, yeah, I can see that. Uh, great stuff on the Daily Flames Roundtable. Vickers, Wills, Steinberg, and it's brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's not too late. They've extended their 4% loyalty rates on all in-stock 2022 models. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary Airport.